Hey, Pie Tribe, buckle up for a new episode of the Passive Income Examiner, the number one podcast for budding entrepreneurs and business owners looking to diversify their income with passive strategies. Welcome to season two, focused on building successful online businesses with evergreen marketing solutions. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland. Thanks for joining me. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Passive Income Examiner. Today, we have special guest with us. His name's Chris Miles. He's the podcast host of The Blogger Evolution. Chris, thanks for joining us. Lindsay, thank you so much for taking the time out and having me on the podcast. Really excited to, yeah. uh, to talk about some passive income stuff. Me it's a passion too. of mine. <laughs> well, let's tell everybody what we're going to be talking about today is affiliate marketing blogging. But before we get into that, which I'm excited to dive into that because this is actually one of the you're one of the only guests I can think of that we've really gotten deep into the weeds on blogging for passive income. Yeah. No, we had one other really early on, Elle McCain, I just remembered. But nevertheless, this is what's so cool about this is your story. It's it's like what you're doing is really cool and that you're helping people. But I love your story. Let's start with that. Tell us a little bit about how you even got on this journey. Yeah, Lindsay, for sure. So when I first got started with this, I've always been a bit of a serial entrepreneur, always starting this and starting that. But a lot of it never panned out. It never really got to the point to where it was justifying the time that I was putting into it versus the money I was getting back. It ended up just kind of being just a waste or I just make a couple hundred bucks here, a couple hundred bucks there. But regardless, it was just something to do. And a big reason I believe that I struggled with that was because I didn't have the proper or correct motivation. I just wanted to make some money. That's really what the whole idea was then. But uh, eventually I got married and uh, we were, it was just us, me and my wife, and we had okay jobs. They weren't the greatest jobs in the world, but uh, I like to call them they're just overbroke type jobs because we had just enough money to kind of take care of everything. But if a random thing broke here, something else was crazy there, all of a sudden we'd be in a, in a world of trouble. But everything was still fine at that point. We were just kind of trucking along, but then we were, we found out that we were pregnant with our first son. His name is Benji. And uh, when that happened, my wife expressed to me that she wanted to quit her job and stay home with him. I remember thinking, can't afford that. You're nuts. We can't do this. But she kind of basically sat me down and looked in my eye and said, you need to figure this out. So I had to kind of grow up really quick and just figure it out. I went online, Googled how to make money online, which I know a lot of people do. Came across a whole bunch of garbage. Uh, it's a cesspool, you know, of what's out there. And I eventually stumbled across affiliate marketing and blogging. And it wasn't easy. I was able to figure it out after a couple of missteps, <laughs> but I did figure it out and got to the point to where in about 18 months, I was able to have my wife quit her job. About two years later, I quit mine. And that was four years ago. And here we are. Hey, Pie Tribe, have you gotten your ticket out of the rat race yet? I'm talking about the free guide, five ways to earn $5,000 a month with passive income that could be yours right now. All you need to do is text the word PIE, P-I-E, to 33777 and get your copy today. Okay, so what did you start? Did you start blogging on a certain topic and have you changed from that or are you still focused on the same thing? No. So I'm what they consider a niche blogger or niche, depending on where you are in the world, <laughs> Right. <laughs> a niche, niche blogger. So I basically just create websites based on individual topics, whatever, usually it's whatever I'm into at the time. I used to have a coffee blog. I had a blog about luxury watches. Currently, I'm running a golf blog that I'm trying to grow and, and flip eventually. And I have my marketing blog as well and just a few of those things. So I did have like one main blog that I started back then. 
but I eventually merged it into my marketing blog and that's kind of become my brand blog for the most part. But I still make the majority of the money just from niche blogging from different topics. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. What was your very first one about? The very first one was the luxury brand, the luxury. Well, the one, let me see. The very first one that was decently successful was the luxury watch one. Oh. Um, I did, I did start one that was about bikes, more specifically road bikes, but I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any type of formal training on the how to do this whole niche blogging thing. I cut a lot of corners. I did a couple of things that are, I guess you could say, goes against what Google actually wants you to do. And because I was following some guy on YouTube who I thought knew what he was talking about, and I ended up getting my website like taken down from Google's index. I mean, mm. you couldn't even find it anymore. So, and that was after spending weeks with it, really. And it was kind of annoying, but it, I didn't let it stop me. I finally invested in myself and got some decent training on how to do niche blogging correctly. And I didn't launch the luxury watch brand blog and it did decently well, but then things really started taking off when I started the coffee blog and then the marketing blog, and I've been doing pretty good with that ever since. I have so many things I want to say. This is how my mind works. I like have to yeah. bite my tongue while my guest is talking so I don't interrupt. <laughs> but like the first, first of all, kudos to you for not giving up. I mean, okay. Do yeah. you mind sharing what your taboo mes mistake was so like people learn not to do that? Like, cause I'll bet you there's people out on YouTube still telling them to do whatever it was that got your blog taken down. So the thing is I was part of the... You know, I didn't believe I needed to pay for anything. No, I didn't need to invest in anything. I didn't need to do any of that because all the information is free on YouTube, which it is. Don't get me wrong. But the big, the big problem with that is that sometimes the information can be dated mm -hmm. or maybe sometimes the creator will hold back certain things because they don't want to give away the whole thing because they want you to go buy their course or they want you to go get their coaching or whatever. So I was following this guy. He made it seem like it was the most simplest, easiest thing to do in the world and how he was just bringing in all these truckloads of cash. So I just sat down. I binge watched his entire channel. I followed his walkthroughs that he had. And what I didn't realize was a lot of that videos that, that were there we're about three and a half, four years old. And I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with search engine optimization and SEO, but it changes almost daily, you mm -hmm. know? And so I started putting in a lot of the things that he was doing or he had done at that mm. point and didn't realize that a lot of that stuff was now frowned upon and that there were Google updates that had stopped it and yada, yada, yada. So when I did it, one thing I also did was, uh, I borrowed, quote unquote, some articles from people that I shouldn't have. But I didn't mm -hmm. know the difference. I just thought, okay, there's some content and just throw it up there. I put in my affiliate links. I remember hitting publish and I just waited, waited, waited. And I waited some more. Absolutely nothing happened. And I was like, well, what did I do wrong? And didn't realize that, that blocking is a long game. It, it takes time for Google to find your stuff and then start serving you some traffic. But because I had borrowed those other articles, they saw the duplicate content and ended up just taking the site out of the index because I was spam site. That's basically mm -hmm. what it was. So um, when I actually decided to learn the correct way to do logging, then I was able to actually have some success with it. I mean, thanks for sharing, because I think that's really valuable. I know a lot of people, myself included, have, we all spend our time on YouTube, right? Like yeah. studying and researching and following certain people, and you don't always know what you don't know, right? And so yeah. I am a huge proponent of coaching is why I hired a coach just to start my podcast, because I was like, yeah, I could go figure it out by myself, but I'd rather learn from somebody who's already done it, has a successful business from it, and just 
can tell me one step at a time what to do so I can knock it out and get it done for real. Right. I definitely believe there's value in that. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, no problem. No, no problem. So the other thing that you were talking about was moving into like your coffee blog and then you went into the, I was at marketing. I'm really intrigued by that because I was, okay. So you know who Neil Patel is, I'm sure. Yeah, of course. So I was listening to him the other day and he was like, it was a YouTube video of him doing some sort of a presentation or something. And he was talking about how marketing is like such a saturated market. And for people to think that they can rank in a marketing category is basically at this point, almost impossible, right? That's what his thing was. Cause maybe he wants to scare off all the competition. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I was just about to go into that. <laughs> He's a smart guy, right? But it's impressive because I mean, on one hand, coffee and marketing are super broad topics. Like when you hear yeah. people say, be very specific and you'll do better but you picked out two really broad topics. Like, do you think there's any value in that? The fact that you chose these broad topics, would you be a proponent of choosing something like that versus something more specific, like organic coffee? Yeah. So in this day and age, if you started a blog, I started this back in 2015, right? If I started a blog back then, then yeah, I probably would have started a blog, bestorganiccoffee.com or something like that, right? Nice and specific. Nowadays, Google wants you to build a brand more than anything. So being broad with your domain name really is going to help you to not become pigeonholed or constrained with what you can talk about. So I would do a very general name for a blog, coffeeboss or something.com. And from there, I can now talk about all types of coffee because I'll never have I never had to worry about being stuck. And you can even go a little more broader than that. Maybe you just do hotdrinks.com or something like that. And now you can branch off into tea and to other types of things that you can create content on. Um, so start off very general with your domain name. But when you first start creating that content, especially with the blog, you need to be very specific in what it is that you're talking about with that content. That way you can kind of etch your little space in the area, try to find something that's what we call underserved or is not being covered very well on the internet, which there are tons of topics that are like that. And then create a little bit of what's called topical authority, letting Google know that, hey, I know about this subject and you can serve my website to people who are looking for this particular topic. And from there, once you kind of exhausted all of the decent keywords that might be in that space, then you can move on to another because you went in a broad space in the first place, right? So now you can go to another one and another one and then just kind of create all of these different seeds or what we call silos on your blog and then grow the site from there. Oh, that was good. How often do you blog? Like, is there a sweet spot? Like blog once a week, blog once a month, does it matter? Yeah, in the past, it used to be (laughs) where it was very important to kind of keep Google knowing that you're constantly creating content. But nowadays, if you have 100 articles, post on 100 right then and there. It doesn't matter because the information just needs to be out there. And everything has almost like a time limit to it with how long it can reach before it reaches its full potential, meaning when is it going to, where is it going to land? Is it going to land on the first page? Is it going to land on the 10th page or whatever? Once you post an article, just let it sit for about two, three months and then go back and see what it's been doing. So the only reason why you might want to come up with a schedule is for my own personal benefit or your own personal benefit, just to keep yourself consistent. If you say, I want to do one post a week 
then at least by doing that, you'll have 50 or so posts by the end of the year. And that's really what the idea of maybe doing that, how often you blog would be the question that you may want to ask. It's only to keep yourself consistent, not really to serve what Google wants. Mm, okay. Well, that's good to know. Definitely. So I'm really also intrigued by the fact that it only took you, it only took you 18 months to replace your wife's income. I mean, that's pretty impressive, especially considering you started not really knowing anything. What was the catalyst that really helped you like push past that? Was it just obviously your resiliency and staying with it? That's number one. Cause we all know if you quit, you have yeah. nothing, <laughs> Yeah, <exactly. laughs> but also was, did you end up investing in a course? Did you, or some sort of like literature? How did that transition work for you? Or did you just finally figure it out all by yourself? Oh, no, no. The reason that first blog was a complete disaster was because I was trying to figure it out on my own. I'm kind of like you, Lindsay. I do understand the whole, the value of being able to have someone tell you the right way to do it. It's just your job or our job to make sure that who we hire to do it knows what they're talking about, right? And by doing that, you normally skip a lot of the hurdles that are that are common to people who are just trying to figure it out on their own by just piecing together a lot of the free information that is out there on the interweb. So what I ended up doing was I did just, I purchased a training. It was actually a very cheap training. I think it might've cost me 20 bucks, but at the time that was a big investment for me, right? Because I was throwing money into the ether. At least it felt like it where I, oh, yeah. I didn't know what I was going to be getting back. But then I look at it today with the amount of money that I've made since then, that was such a small pinch of salt with the amount of revenue. I mean, I've gotten back probably thousands X of from that initial investment. So once I understood the idea that, you know, I can just either buy a training or hire someone to tell me the right way to do it, I can save tons and tons of time and heartache and money when you think about time being money. So I did that. I followed the process to the T that they told me to do. And eventually after about 18 months, I was making around what, four to $6,000 a month with the site, which is pretty good concerning. I was at that point, that was a little more than double what I was making with my corporate nine to five. That's incredible. No, really. I mean, that is really incredible because especially on that note that it was, you just followed it along. You took it for what it was. And I know the feeling of when you're investing, it doesn't matter if you're investing $20 or $20,000 Yeah, have that panic moment where you're like, Oh, what am I going to get? Will I use it? Will I get what it said? You know, how is it going to set you like the, all the questions and all the doubt. And when yeah. you were already working your nine to fives, you're already scrapped. You've got a baby on the way. Like 20 bucks is nothing like that or nothing to oh, see. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, you're, yeah. you needed every penny. So that was definitely, I could feel you. And I know a lot of people can too, because they're in the same situation. Yeah. I was, I was also in a ton of debt as well at the time, because I had ran up probably close to $30,000 of like bad credit card debt as in high interest mm. credit card debt, just trying to, if something did catastrophic happen, I just, okay, put it on the card. That's, that's mm -hmm. all we can do. But at that point you get stuck in that rotation of just paying the minimum payments, and then you're just getting fleeced on the interest. And mm -hmm. I was stuck in that whole process. I remember even thinking at one point I might have to uh, file bankruptcy or something. Like, what are we going to do? Because, and then I had school loans at the time too. So if you file bankruptcy with school loans, they don't go away, you know? Right. So oh, it was man. one of those, it was, it was kind of stressful at the time, but oh, yeah. I think the motivation of knowing that, not that I just wanted to make money, but that I needed to provide a different type of life for my family my back was against the wall. And at that point I was able to just, I didn't care if it, 
it, it had to work is kind of what it is. You know, it mm -hmm. had, I had to figure it out. There were so many people who had been doing it and doing it well for a long time. I binged on a lot of podcasts and success stories of people who had already done it. And that really gave me the confidence that, okay, I can figure this out. I just can't quit. Yeah. Oh, I love that because you know what I think, and I, I don't know if you've heard this, me say this on the podcast, but you know, looking back, it really, anything can work when you put your mind to it and yes, you give it the time. Yeah. You got to get put in the time. You got to really be committed. And yes, you could switch gears. Yes, you can. But like, I'm a little bit of like the serial entrepreneur where I'm like an idea person. So I get excited. Like I jump over here and I'm already thinking like, Ooh, I wonder how I could like better my blog. <laughs> Yeah. But it's super exciting when you when you really get see the result of it and in such a rapid time frame. There was something else I was going to ask you in the beginning. You were saying it was, oh, I know what I was going to ask you. How much time, like you were working full time, right? How much yeah. time were you spending on building up your blog, do you think, in the beginning? Just to kind of paint that picture for people who are stuck in their nine to five and really understand like yeah. if they can commit X number of hours, they can realistically make this work. Yeah. So when I first got started, definitely I was working a nine to five and it wasn't your traditional nine to five. I was a manager of a couple of offices and I had to be available all the time. I was always the on call guy. And that was tough because I was really working 12 to 15 hour days. I had to be there at like seven in the morning, wasn't going home until after seven that evening. And I was just missing out on a lot of stuff. And it really annoyed me <laughs> for just the whole process of the whole thing. And that's really started to get my disdain for nine to fives. But regardless, in terms of time, so when I first got started, I was just trying to write a blog post every week or so. And by doing that, I kind of got stuck in, I realized I had more time than I thought I did. I just needed to be more strategic with how I was using my time. So I used to binge watch like Netflix all the time and have a new TV show or I'd sit down and watch. I remember there was one show, I forgot the exact name of it, but there was like nine seasons. Each episode was an hour and there was like 20 episodes a season. So that's a lot of time that you're sitting there just in front of Netflix. So I just kind of stopped watching Netflix, stopped binge watching on shows for a little while. And it's not like I gave it up completely because I do it now, but I have the time to do it now, right? Mm -hmm. So what I started doing was just trying to be, take a full survey of exactly what I was doing with my time. I actually found some time to do it. So I would do stuff like maybe wake up an hour early, try to get some work done there, maybe stay up an hour later to try to get more work there. And then when income really started to roll in, I started to see that what the effort that I was putting in was generating results. So then I started putting more time into it and more time into it. And let's just say if you know what you're doing and you actually have a process to follow, you can get it done at minimum. And I would say minimum in an hour or so a day. But if you really want to blitz it and and try to get this done as quickly like I was doing it at one point, at one point I was punching out two and three blog posts a day, you know, because I needed it to happen. Mm -hmm. So this is before AI technology was out. This is just, just me right there, just punching the keyboard. Yeah. Came up with a couple of templates and processes that was able to help me do that process a lot faster. But doing that relatively quickly and, and putting it together, just understanding the idea that nothing happens unless a blog post is posted. One of my favorite phrases is a blog post a day can keep the employer away. You just got to stick with it. <laughs> that's a good so one. I, I do that. That's that's really great. Isn't it funny too? You, I bet you can appreciate this. How much more efficient we are when we have a little bit, our time is so much more restricted in a way. Yeah. It's amazing. True. Have you ever heard of Parkinson's law? 
Yes, I yes. love Parkinson's Law. Is yep. that the truest ever? <laughs> so for anybody who's listening who hasn't heard of Parkinson's Law, let's say you want to give yourself the commitment to write a blog a day and you give yourself the whole day to do it. It'll take you the whole day, Parkinson's yeah. Law says. But if you give yourself 90 minutes, it'll take you 90 minutes. It's amazing how that works. It's just like what we put our mind to, like in this 90 minute window, I'm getting a blog post done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The task will end up filling the time allotted for it. Basically, mm-hmm. if you set aside this much time, it's probably going to take you that much time to complete it. And it was, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because when you're running your own business or let's just back up, when you're working a nine to five job, you have a boss that tells you what to do, when to do it, how to do it and when it's due. When you're working for yourself, you got to come up with all of those things yourself because you're your own CEO, you're your own manager, you're your own editorial staff, you know, and everything. So you have to set goals for yourself. When I started setting goals, like one month goal, three month goal, six, 12 month goals, then all of a sudden when I got to those moments, I could look back. Mm -hmm. Okay, what did I do? Did I reach my goal? Did I not reach my goal? Why didn't I reach it? Or what did I do to exceed it? And then setting another goal and then having those reviews for yourself, an actual measurement rather than just, okay, I'm just doing this until something happens. Having real goals is a big, was a big game changer for me. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So what's life like now for the Miles family? Ah, yeah, that's, that's fun. <laughs> I'll give you an example. So th- today I woke up, uh, I woke up a little extra early. I don't know why it was before the alarm even went off, but I just, I woke up and then came downstairs and our dryer is weird and it's, it's <laughs> we put a pillow in there they said it was washer safe we put it in the dryer and it exploded so like oh there my was, gosh it was everything everywhere so i spent quite a bit of, of time just trying to get all of that up. i mean literally millions of pieces so oh i ended gosh. up doing all of that by the time around 7 30 or so came around it was time for benji to get up so started trying to wake him up getting them ready for school, brushing the teeth, trying to get them something to eat before he gets out. Jumped in the car. We uh, brought, dropped him off to school. And then I kind of, I'm going to be honest, I kind of just sat there and played on my phone for like about an hour. <laughs> just trying to <laughs> get stuff taken care of, answering emails and stuff like that because I didn't get to it. And then came home and then messed around on, the, on one of my blogs. I started checking a few other emails. And that was basically it. And so far, I'm on. I'm here talking to you. Mm-hmm. Later, we're going to be bringing, we're going to pick up Benji from school and we're going to be going to some type of jumping park or something mm-hmm. whatever and i love going to the grocery store during this time of day as well oh, because there's yes. nobody there so um, true. yeah exactly so that's basically my day right there and if i was working had to be at work at 7 a.m i wouldn't leave until 6 37 later that night i would have missed all of this you mm-hmm. know so especially the pillow part especially the pillow <laughs> part right but i feel bad because i would have had to leave my wife to deal with that and I like that I am there to be able to to be helpful with random stuff around the house. It it can be a good or a bad thing. If anyone has a family, you totally understand. You're like, you, wait, we, we want to spend more time with each other sometimes. <laughs> but I try my best to always remind myself it can't be a bad thing to spend more time with each other, even when it gets nail biting and someone wants to wring someone else's neck. Well, <laughs> see, and I think the solution to that, though, is to have that financial freedom where you have you can live a little bit beyond your means, you know, so you're not doing the just over broke, even if you are working for yourself, because then you could do things. And I think that's when people get on each other's nerves. Like when you're stuck at home, I notice it with the kids in the summertime, you know, they get nitpicky. Start crazy. Yeah. It's like, if we could go out and adventure or hike or kayak, we go to the lake, we go places. You got to keep them like doing things to take their mind off of each other. And I think that ultimately is 
why passive income is such an important vehicle for families, because it gives you not only the time freedom, but the financial freedom too, that they can make life enjoyable. Yeah. L let me tell you the story, if you don't mind, right quick yeah. about how yeah. I realized that exact fact. I remember I was just really getting started with this. The business was, was humming. It was doing well. And I remember I got sick as a dog one weekend. I think I had like food poisoning or something. So from about late Friday to maybe late Sunday, I was on the couch. I got up maybe twice the entire time and just was completely sick and dead to the world. And I remember I finally like was able to get up, roll over, make my way over to my desk. I fired up my laptop and like eyes are bloodshot and I just, my stomach was still a little turning, but you know, outside of, of, of hurling and everything, I was <laughs> fine at that moment. I looked up one of my affiliate partners and I had made like 600 bucks that month, that, that weekend. And I didn't do a single thing. $600 in, in the span of like two and a half days. And I didn't do a single thing. Now, granted, it was based on things I had done in the past, mm -hmm. but still the fact that I could literally do nothing and still make money, that's when the whole passive income thing, light bulb went off in my head. And I realized that I needed to start building up more processes that allowed me to earn money even while I'm sleeping and food poisoned on the couch, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was really a big light bulb moment for me. Okay, that leads me into another question, actually. Yeah. With all of those unique topics for your blogs, are you focused on collecting emails? Are you good? Because they say, I've heard people say, you're going to get somebody to your site, you're going to have this much percentage buy. So they either retarget or they send emails and they increase that percentage, maybe 20% more by the follow up marketing. Yeah. Are you managing multiple databases like that with each of the specific niches? It depends on the niche and how much I like the niche because running an email campaign is almost just as intensive as running the blog itself because an email is nothing if you don't continue to build a relationship with the email list. If you get someone on your email and then you never email them, they're not going to know who you are when you finally do email them. So you do have to email them pretty consistently. So what I like to do is I'll sit down and come up with 50 odd or so emails. It might take me a day or so to do that, but just come up with nice little short emails, maybe where I'm sending them to another article on the site, maybe to an affiliate offer or something like that, put them all into an email autoresponder and then just let it run for the year. And that's pretty helpful in just staying right there on task for it. Another big reason why I definitely would recommend collecting email addresses is it does raise the value of your site as well. So there's this thing out there called website investing. Websites are businesses. They generate revenue. They cost expenses and everything, just like any other business would. So because of that, based on the revenue that that website makes on a monthly basis, you can multiply it by usually a factor of between 35 and 50 nowadays and be able to make that much money. So if a site makes a thousand dollars a month, you might be able to get it at like a 35x multiple, which means that that site is worth right now. I mean, someone can come in and buy it around $35,000. Wow. Now to get that multiple to go up, you can either increase the revenue with a site or diversify the traffic that's coming to the site. So if you're not just depending on Google to send you organic traffic, which is fine usually, having an email list, you have a group of people that you can literally tap into at any moment you can raise that 35x multiple up to 40 or 45 or 50. Now that same $1,000 website that's making $1,000 per month cannot just be worth 35. It can be worth 40, 45 or $50,000 because you've diversified the traffic that's coming into it. 
So it's a good way to be able to just build up sites and and be able to sell them and mm -hmm. just kind of exit that business. And usually exiting is one of the best parts about running a business is hopefully you want someone to buy your business at some point and you get that big windfall of cash. And it's a great way to invest. I have a lot of our assets is tied into websites and it works out decently well. I get a much better return than the seven to 10% I might get in an index fund. Wow. That's incredible. That's a great little tidbit. I feel like there's so much more we could talk about. We should have you back another day because like, <laughs> I'm like, I could keep going. No, and yeah. we haven't even really dived into really the strategy behind it. I mean, let's maybe wrap up with a little bit of that and talk to people because you offer a course on how to blog. Is it, is, tell us about your course. Like, I'd like to know more about that actually. Yeah. So, I mean, the course is simple, but it is involved because it does, it's more of a handholding type deal. But the whole idea is to get you from not having a website and really knowing what blogging is at all to having a fully fledged running website that's making you money. That's kind of the journey that I try to take people on. And it is, it's a great way to be able to build up a good passive income. I show you how to do it step by step, everything from coming up with the topic that you want to write about, finding affiliate offers, creating the content, getting traffic to that content, and then building up an email list. And then most importantly, doing as much as you possibly can with the traffic that you are getting, whether you're monetizing with display ads, you could do lead generation, affiliate marketing, of course, is probably one of the main focuses because you can make money so much faster with affiliate marketing than any of the other options because it only takes one person to buy in order to make money with affiliates. So um, that's basically what, what the course does. And it gets people from point A to point B to having a website that's up and running with traffic and making money. And how long do people, does it take to get through the course? I mean, not, not doing the work, but like how many hours is the course training? Yeah. So I have the course broken down into individual steps, I guess you can call them. So every day, if you do one of the steps, you can get through the entire course in about 45 to 60 days. Wow. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be 100% done with it. You still mm -hmm. will have to like refer to it back here or there, but day one is like, let's choose a niche. And then day two is like, let's decide on a platform for the blog. And then day three, let's write our first blog post and stuff like that. And by doing that, I give you specific instructions on how to do each one so that you can refer back to it. And then when you're done, you're going to have a website that has about 30 articles on it. You should have a couple of affiliate sales at that point as well. And some traffic coming to the site. That's nice. That's really great. What's the website where people can find out more about that? Yeah, they can go to Blogger Revolution dot com slash workshop and if they go there i have a little video that kind of shows you the process on how it works and a little bit of my story as well but really just trying to get as many people as help to get to that point where they can kind of enjoy what i've been able to do over the last few years i have a ton of people who've gone through it and have had massive success and looking forward to helping each and every person that decides to go through so bloggerrevolution.com slash workshop and guys blogs are not going away i think i saw a statistic the other day and it's not exact because i just i know that there was like i think it was a neil patel video i was watching actually so it was he was saying there was like something like hundreds of millions of people just in the united states and billions obviously worldwide right but yeah. there's only like 1 million, less than 1 million blogs on the web, something like that. And the, and then also I should send you the link actually, because it would, might be interesting for you. He was talking about setting it up. One of the things that really blew up his business was translating his sites into other, other languages, languages. Yeah. Do you do that? 
I don't mainly because he's trying to grow more of a marketing brand where where I'm trying to grow is more of targeting what are considered the tier one countries, which is mm. usually play the, your more English speaking places, mm. United States, Canada, UK, uh, Australia, Australia, places like that. Yeah. yeah, New Zealand. So those are really the places that I target. The return isn't as much if you go towards other languages, specifically with blogging. It doesn't mean that it can't be done. I know some people who have translated their blogs strictly into like Spanish or Italian and they're doing great with it as well. That's But it is a good untapped way because most people are writing their blogs in English. So if you can create something in Portuguese and then push it to Brazilians, you know, they may not have the same spending power that people would have in the United States, but you can just adjust your spending at that point. We also go after what are called display ads. And those are those little annoying ads that pop up when you go to a website. You get paid based on what those business owners want to pay to get in front of your customers or your the people who are reading your blog. So usually they can tell where people are coming from, what country they're coming from. And they normally pay top dollar for people who are coming out of the tier one countries than any other country. So that's really the reason why I go mainly after US and Canada and all those tier one traffic. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I'm glad we went down that road. Cool. Well, this has been, I mean, just an exciting episode. Your story is incredible. You know, you definitely have walked the walk. And I love that. <laughs> I definitely love that. And I'm so grateful for you that your family is experiencing this lifestyle. I know so many people long for, but you did it. And that like, che I'm cheering you on like, yes, that was awesome. Oh. <laughs> thank, thank you. It, it is a lot, a lot of work. And some people, when it comes to my entrepreneurship, you're trading in a 40 an hour week job for an 80 an hour week job. And to some extent, that can be the case, depending on how much time you do put into it. But because of systems that you can put in place, like I have writers who, so I just come up with the content and I give it to them. And then I only write now a blog post, maybe three or four times a month, if that. It's, but they're writing it. I have an editor who posts it. And then that gives me the time, the whole four hour work week vibe is what I'm going for there. And it gives me extra time to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. So it's been a lot of work, but you know, you can get what you're looking for. Like you mentioned earlier, almost anything can work. You just got to find something and someone you trust and just stick to it. Yeah. Sorry about my dog. Did you hear him barking? No, I missed it. I didn't oh, know. wow. I had to mute it. He So we got this livestock guardian dog to be around our sheep. Yeah. And boy, when he gets going, he is so loud. My son has to plug his ears. Like it's, it's scary intense. I heard him. <laughs> he, he just sounds, went out like barking after something. I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta be. It sounds like a good dog. Cause he's doing his <laughs> he's job. He's doing his job. But yeah, exactly. we've got our sheep set up right outside my office right now. We're going to move them next year, but woo, it's like, he needs, he needs to get out in the pasture. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you shave, do you shave the wool off your sheep? Or okay. So the last time we got sheep, they were hair sheep. They were not wool okay. sheep. This time gotcha. we have wool sheep. And so we haven't had that experience because when we got them, they were already sheared. This will be the first summer we do that. And I'm actually excited about that. Like I'm super nice. excited about having sheep in general. There's a lot yeah. of really fun things. <laughs> it's funny. I was just recently watching an episode of Shark Tank, you know, all those entrepreneurs like watching Shark Tank, but um, the guy on there has this multi-million dollar business where he sells chicken coops and oh, he'll yeah. give you five or 10 chickens, five to 20 chickens, I believe. And you get it for the eggs and for the kids too, if you got them so that they can play sure. with the chickens and everything. And so, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it made me think about it when you're talking about the sheep and using them for wool. And, oh. you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty interesting time in which we live today because with all the technology and this, that, and the other, it's nice to hear. Oh yeah, we got some animals in the back. Right. <laughs> you know. You gave me an nice. idea. Maybe I should start a blog about sheep. <laughs> yeah. That why not? You know, I, I love thought it. That, 
there is one blog that I know of that is talks about breeding goats. Interesting. It, it, it makes like five to seven grand a month. Wow. You know? So there's it, it a bigger audience out there than I expected. So well, I be think surprised people, if you get nice and niche. Yeah. So some people are going down that road right now where they want to have a mini farm or like branch out to homesteading. So maybe. Yeah, go for it. I will. That's exciting. Awesome. This has been great. Well, everybody go check out Chris at the blogger evolution doc to check out more about his course and can they connect with you on social? Are you on Instagram? Yeah. Chris miles official and it's miles M Y L E S. I got weird spelling for my last name, but yeah, I mean, you can even shoot me a DM there. I'm pretty responsive. I try to post there every day. So if you want to follow me there at Chris miles official.